It is the beginning of September. Harvest is a couple more weeks away here at Bonnie's Vineyard. While smoke from the recent fires has dissipated, and we wait for the vines to ripen the grapes to maximum deliciousness, our friends and neighbors struggle with the sudden loss of their homes. I thought I would ask my friend Mary Kay to talk with me today about the stages of disaster recovery, a subject that she is an expert on. Hello, this is Bonnie Meyer. I'm here in the Napa Valley, in Bonnie's Vineyard. And I asked uh, my friend, my, my wonderful longtime friend, Mary Kay, to have a conversation with me about the stages of disaster recovery. Mary Kay has helped people through seven different disasters. And I've learned some things from her when we've talked about it. Mary Kay used to work for the Red Cross and in that capacity, she uh, was there to help other people, not physically, but emotionally. She is a grief counselor and really is an expert in this arena. So Mary Kay, what can you tell me in general? I mean, seven different disasters, they're very, I'm certain, very different from each other. You were different circumstances, but you saw a pattern in the stages of recovery. Um, and I believe, if I remember right, the first, the first stage was the honeymoon phase. Actually, it's the heroic phase. The heroic phase is the very first one. And that occurs, of course, at the moment of impact, right? And people are doing heroic things. And it's very altruistic. You know, people want to run into a burn, burning building and save a kitten or, you know, they're doing heroic things. And it's, it's the time of that. And you're all adrenalized and you're going to be doing things that you can't even imagine you did, right? Mm. And... Um, lots of heroic actions and your energy is going into you know what what can i do what how can i save how can i make an impact here what can, how can i make a difference and um you know one of the pieces of the stages of disaster recovery is the the, the resources that are most important to you at that time which is really interesting i think and it's like right at that heroic phase of your family groups right you want if you're not with them you're thinking of them and neighbors, neighbors are extremely important at that time. And also emergency teams, you know, who's, who's out there, the fire, the police, you know, who, who exactly is it? So um, that's actually the first one, but that's a real short time frame. That's like immediate impact. Um, and then the honeymoon phase that you just mentioned, that's the next phase that we go into. And, um, you know, part of what's going on here is that, you know, that, um, mental health for disasters. It's pretty new or pretty new or it was new at the time. I was in the 90s, 1990s when I was doing this and it was just beginning, it was just beginning. And how I kind of thought about it too, was like I would send you know, volunteers out on disasters and the people that went on in the very first part of a disaster um, would come back and they would go, oh my goodness, it was so amazing and the people are so amazing and it was just such a wonderful kumbaya and all this. And I go, that's wonderful. And then if people went out a little bit later in a disaster, 
they'd be going, whoa, that was tough. You know, people was really struggling. It was really hard. And I'm like, wow, it was the same place. They went to the same place. What's the difference? And then we started looking at that. And then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, there are specific stages to disasters, right? So the honeymoon phase comes next and it's, you know, maybe a week later, you know, can last, can last, you know, there's no set time limit on these kind of like grief. There's no set time limit, but you know, like three to six months or so you could be in it where you just so happy to be alive and you hear like when you and I are talking, you know, how is everybody? Oh, it's not, they're great. They're okay. Who, you know, they lost their house, but they're doing okay. You know, you're so happy to hear those stories and it really is, um, we're in this together. This is all of us. We're really, really doing a really important thing. You know, people are starting to clear out their debris, but they're in finding little treasures, hopefully. So still that you're feeling, it's horrible what you've gone through, but you're feeling in, still in the honeymoon phase that, oh, we made it and, you know, we hope other people do. And um, your pre-existing community groups are really what is very important at this time. You know, your neighborhood, your, you know, whatever groups you belong to, maybe your church, those are really sustaining you at this time. And everybody feels a part of, an absolute part of, you know, it's just wonderful. Well, I know that I commonly have heard people saying, well, you know, we lost everything, but we have each other. Exactly. That's exactly it. We lost everything, but we saved our dog. But, you know, it's all this, we lost everything, but we have, we have this, what's most precious to us. And when, when I hear that, it's very heart opening for me. I, 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 I'm, get really hopeful that, wow, you know, this disaster has led, led people to maybe a change of heart that somehow they realize more than they did before uh, what's really important. But then something happens. Then something happens. <laughs> yeah. And it's time. It's really time. Because the next phase is the disillusionment phase. And boy, that's a rough one because you're disillusioned with pretty much it. you're going from this place of gratitude and love like just like just as you said to this nothing's right nothing's right and i think it the impact really hits you it's like oh i have really lost everything and you know uh, the workers who came to help didn't get there fast enough and if they had my house wouldn't have burned or my neighbor's house wouldn't have burned or you know uh, you know nobody nobody can really do anything right so that's not an easy place to be for anybody. You know, none of us want to be in that place, but it's, it's a natural part of this. And it's, it's rough. It's really rough. And it can last, it can last for, you know, a couple months to a year or so. I mean, it really can last a while. And when you start to hear people in that place of, oh, you know, nobody did anything right. And I'll, it, I think I found it very helpful for me to be in a disaster knowing what phase people were in because then you could just really go okay they're in disillusionment they're, they're not gonna it's not gonna be kumbaya it's not gonna be oh isn't this wonderful this is as good as it gets and it's part of coming out of it right and if you if you um you know drew a, a curve it would be you know honeymoon up here, disillusionment down here, but then, as you know, then it starts to come back up again. 
that's a rough time, you know, and, and you're trying to get building permits, you're trying to get people to take the debris away from your house. I mean, all that, you know, I'm currently in Florida and, you know, hurricanes are here. And the last big one we had, there was debris everywhere for such a long time. And I'm like, just the fact that you have all that stuff around makes you feel really uncomfortable. And it's like, you know, we were fortunate we didn't lose our house, but there's just trees and everything. And that's, it's rough to, you know, kind of be in all that and people having to stand in line for ice because there's no electricity. And it's, it's hard. It just, it's, takes a toll. It really does. It really well, and in general, I noticed that nothing happens fast enough. No. That we think that the government, and it doesn't matter what country you live in even, uh, we have this idea that the government's going to take care of us. That the, there are systems in government that are going to make this easier. And in our country, it is um, FEMA is just going to come with food and housing and and just make just clear the path and they don't it's it actually isn't a reality it isn't what they do and so there's there's a lot of uh, very understandable impatience it's like oh my gosh this is not working the way i think it should and i think that's the piece because i think you know when you know i was involved in the disaster world I mean, people were on this, you know, if they knew something was coming, they were ready and they were like there immediately. But I think what you think help is and what the reality of what help can be actually are often two different things. So it's my expectation that actually is the problem, not the problem, but it makes it, you know, so it's like the, the help that is given, you know, often isn't the help that you really think you need. Right, so it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard to reconcile those, you know, and okay, we can shelter people, but it's a shelter, it's a gymnasium, or it's a, you know, warehouse or something, and it's not, you know, it's the best we can do, but, you know, it's not, it's not what people really are hoping for. And that's- That's a, that's a really important point, the difference between um, our expectations and what actually is our experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I know one of the things that people want to, you know, donate, they just want to donate when there's a disaster, which is fabulous. But one of the things I know the Red Cross was, would be giving out vouchers so people could go buy things to stimulate the economy, to try to stimulate the economy. And so they didn't want, you know, people's used clothes at that point because they wanted people to go out and be able to, you know, purchase new things and actually stimulate the local economy, which I thought was a great idea, you know. And where do you store all that stuff anyway? That becomes another logistical nightmare. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. Another stage is the reconstruction stage. And that's the, um, that can last for several years, right? As you well know, you know, with the Napa fire three years ago, people are still, you know, dealing with building permits and what do we do? So it's really when the, the, the people that have gone through this realize that they're responsible for rebuilding their lives, you know, that there really isn't anybody else around that can do it. They have to do it. And that's the good thing about that is that you get some trajectory and it's like, okay, we're, we're starting to see things changing. And something I do is making a difference. Um, 
you know, and so that's when the, your community is really important. You know, in some communities just naturally are tight and, and um, support each other really well. Some don't. So it's like in the honeymoon phase, it looks like every community's like that. And then you go through the disillusionment and you find, oh boy, they're splintered and all that kind of stuff. So um, I have been on disasters where um, I was part of a group that worked with all the churches in the area to get them together kind of on the same page where we're all helping everybody instead of this little group helps this one and this little group helps this one. And it was amazing to see that community come together because everybody was realizing, okay, we're doing everything we can for everybody. This is our community. Um, it's a wonderful time, but the reconstruction is when, okay, things are starting to go, but that can take a while, you know? And as you know, anytime you have something like that you go through, it, it's wearing on you. It's really wearing on you, you know? Mm -hmm. I know that there are, I have a friend, Bob Stilger, who works in communities when there's a disaster. And his whole thing is to gather people together so they can reimagine what they can be. He, he, his primary experience was in Fukushima after the disaster there. And some of the communities of people that he met with said, you know, this, um, the tsunami and everything that, and the radiation, everything that followed from that disaster actually saved us from a future that we didn't want. Wow. And so do you ever, uh, is there some element of that, that, um, that people realize that there's an opportunity to, to build back their lives or their homes or the community better than it was before? I have heard that too, where, um, you know, I'm a new person in the area. I don't know, but I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Everybody is so helpful and blah, blah, blah. And I've heard people say, well, not normally. We're not, but they're realizing this is how they really like it. So they, they have come together and said, let's not go back to that way. You know, we've, we've been through something together and we need to build this stronger. And don't we all want this? And and you see communities change because of it. Yeah. It's like, you really get to see, yeah, we weren't like this before. And it took this horrible disaster to make us wake up. Yeah. Sometimes it does. You know? Yeah. What kind of um, general advice might you give somebody who's just lost their home? Oh man. It's, realize that this is extraordinary. This is not ordinary time. This is extraordinary time. So everything is different. Absolutely everything is different. Um, not, not to expect that, you know, you're going to handle this. Well, you probably will handle it in the way that you normally handle things, but it's, you're going to be tested to your limits, right? All the time. And it'll be surprising when something will kind of bring you to your knees that you wouldn't expect. And that will happen, you know, something will be, you know, you'll find something that you thought was lost forever, or you realize, oh, this is lost, and I don't have that anymore. My children's photos, my, you know, my wedding dress, whatever that might be. And not, not to expect too much from yourself, other than, you know, that 
you know, you, you've gone through something that you've, you're being challenged probably to your limit and to, um, this isn't normal. This is, it absolutely is not normal. The other thing, you know, you're going through a lot of grief and grief is extremely dehydrating. So you've got to make sure that, you know, people don't remember to eat. They don't remember to drink water. You know, you have to, that's what Red Cross would go around with the, they call them the herbs, you know, the, the, the little trucks with food and water to make sure that people, when they're cleaning out debris would, would have food and hydration and, um, and you're probably not going to sleep well. So not, not to, um, once again, expect that you're going to be fine. You're not, this isn't fine. This isn't fine. Uh, I think in our culture in particular, we have this drive to get back to normal and, and the normal isn't there and pushing yourself to get back to work or to have some kind of feel normal just doesn't work, right? Uh, I've been, I know one of the things I've been, I have a friend who just lost her home and I have been reminding her to sleep and to rest uh, because it's very healing. Although even, although, I know that um, that is difficult when you're in when you're in grief when you're in loss. Uh, sleep can often be difficult. People react very differently. Sometimes they sleep a lot, and sometimes they just are restless and can't really sleep well. And that's another thing to remember is that we're all going to react to this differently. And so you might you might feel kind of protective of yourself and not want to be around too many people and just get, kind of process it alone. And maybe your partner wants to have everybody over and not that we can do that in the COVID times, but it's like, everybody's gonna process it differently and there's not one right way. And to be really compassionate and empathetic with yourself and everyone, that this is how they're dealing with it. It's not they're doing it wrong or you're doing it wrong. It's like, this is how you're dealing with it. You've, most people go through this once in their life, maybe. I know that lots of people, especially, you know, Louisiana and places like that, they've gone through it several times, but every time it's different. You know, you're at a different stage in your life and loss is different at different stages of your life, you know, but just to have compassion with yourself and empathy for everybody around you, you know, people are really doing the best they can do, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't look like it to you sometimes, but they are, they really are. Yeah. 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 Even when they're angry at everything and they're in that, <laughs> they're in that, that phase, they're doing the best they can do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, Mary Kay, thank you so much for um, reminding me. We've talked about this in the past, but this conversation has really helped me remember again what those stages are and we'll help people anyone who's watching this um, to have a context for what they're feeling what their friends are feeling um, and and more compassion for each other and for more compassion for ourselves is there any last word that you'd like to uh, well i i find it so helpful for me to understand in a disaster so i hope it's helpful for someone else and especially to remember i mean we'll go through the honeymoon phase and we're like, oh, I don't want to lose that. 
but then you're going to have the reconstruction phase, you know, and it will be, you get to rebuild and make it how you want it, hopefully, you know, or definitely you get to rebuild your life the way you'd like it to be. Um, but I, I hope it is helpful because I, I just think it's, to me, it was extraordinarily helpful. Um, yeah. This is wonderful talking to you about this. <laughs> thank you, Mary. You're welcome. We'll talk again about something, some other subject, some other time soon. Perfect. I love that. I love that. Thank you.